Hi everyone, this is Joanne LaRock, and this is part two of my interview with my husband, Mike LaRock, to discuss his years of working on the railroad and what it was like for him. Uh, and we're also outside on our back deck. It's the summertime here in Northern Ontario. So we're hearing a, an orchestra of bird songs from loons on the back lake, on the lake behind our house on Whitson Lake, and all kinds of other birds. I'm not sure of all the names of them, but it's just so peaceful. And we had our cup of coffee already and so on. But uh, the reason why this is part two is because of the many years that he worked on the railroad, how many changes have happened. Uh, and in the first podcast, he talked about uh, two very close calls and so uh, where people could have lost their lives and how working can be dangerous and uh, people can lose their lives. And being a railroader is, is something that has to be, you know, respected and, and at the same time uh, realize that rail, railways carry our goods from province to province to state to state. And uh, this is why it's important to have good track maintenance. And that was his job title. Wasn't it, Mike? Yep. Good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, my title was uh, uh, most of my career uh, track maintenance foreman. And uh, I was a relieving supervisor, assistant roadmaster uh, at times. Um, yeah, it was a challenging career for sure. So what would you say <clears throat> when you first started uh it was 1970. The first time I started uh, was in 1971. Uh, I worked uh, maybe four or five months. And then uh, I got laid off, first of all, because they found out I wasn't uh, 18 years old. And to be working as um, more than a, as a student... Uh, after school started, that's when you really started checking um, how old everybody was, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I got laid off. So to me, it was uh, you know, a young man, you know, it wasn't even 18 yet. Uh, I says, I'll, uh, uh, I'll go on what we used to call POGI, which is uh, employment insurance. And, um, but I found a job right away. You know, for another company within the, the second day. But then you got back into railroading when you were 18 years old, right? Yeah, after I was 18 years old. Like, I worked for a, a, a company called Northway Metals, and I was being trained uh, how to be, uh, to be a blacksmith, actually. And uh, I got to, it, it was, I enjoyed it, but it was in the sp summertime especially, uh, Working in in front of a of a furnace, a blast furnace, um, it it's not easy. No. So, but I kept working there, and then I um, I got a phone call from uh, the assistant role master. What uh, was his name? Uh, Paul uh, Paul Stepik. Okay. Uh, he probably started for the railway. Oh. 
after the Second World War, probably. And then he came to, to Canada and got on for the railway. And um, he had quite a few years seniority when he did retire. Uh, but a very nice fellow, you know, a, a very kind, a Yugoslavian. So he called me up and he, uh, he always called me Mikey. <laughs> and he, uh, he says, Mikey, Mikey, we need you work at Lavac. I was saying, Lavac, oh my gosh, what do you mean? He said, yeah, yeah, we need you, 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 you could start tomorrow. So, um, and you were 18 at this point. Yeah, uh, I was 18. And so I, I, uh, I, I really, give, really thought about it. And I, I enjoyed working there with the guys that were there at the time. Even if, like, I mean, the, the work uh, was, you know, we really worked hard. And uh, it was the same kind of railroading as um, when it first started 100 years before. Like, everything was hand tools. Uh, everything was lifted, a lot of lifting. Uh, we'd be changing broken rails uh, probably uh, four, five, six times a day out on the main line. Um, and what do you so, mean by <clears throat> changing uh, um, rail, well, railroad? Is that rails. Rails, sorry. Yeah, yeah rails. So what happens <laughs> a lot... Not up on my railroad technology. <laughs> uh, rails break, eventually break. Okay. And uh, at the time, it was a uh, 39-foot uh, bolted rail. So we'd get a lot of broken rails right in the rail joint. And, um, it was good when it was only 39 feet. <laughs> but sometimes they had shorter rails that had been broken and cut in. And, and um, what was happening when you get a broken rail in the, in the short rail, uh, we had to measure the rail... And we'd measure the rail and make a, a, a mark where the cut was going to be. And uh, we'd use, we didn't have a rail saw, gas rail saws. So what we'd do is we'd flip the rail on, on its head and hold it there and make a, a yellow chalk mark on the base of that rail. And then one guy would get on a coal set and it had a long handle. And he'd put it on that yellow line, and the other guy working with him would hit it with a sledgehammer. And he, we called it marking the rail, okay? So we, we'd we had some hit on the coal set, we'd made an uh, uh, indentation in the rail, in the base of the rail, and we'd make a line like that until the other end. And then when we saw that it was a, a good line and deep enough we we put the the guy would put the coal set in the middle of the base of the rail and the other guy would start hitting and a lot of the times you know everything went well but i mean it, it was hard work did you wear safety goggles <clears throat> or glasses or well yeah helmets? we had <laughs> we didn't have helmets when i first started we didn't have oh hard hats gosh. no nobody had that the only uh, safety wasn't it, it, a big priority. No, it wasn't, but it wasn't anywhere you work. It didn't matter what company you this were was for. This was in the 70s, kind of early yeah, 70s. Yeah, that was in uh, 19, between 1971, let's say 1974. But the same way of railroading um, only changed uh, in, in this area, anyways, 
when the, the bigger uh, kind of rails came out, what's called ribbon rail, CWR, um, then it was a heavier, heavier kind of rail, and it was ribbon rail, so you had to get more modern and uh, go on the world market and, and buy the equipment we needed, like a gas rail saws and gas uh, drills. And uh, because it was like heavier section of rail, um, the they started getting uh, booms and boom trucks and stuff. And like what that. do you mean by boom? Like boom a, a lift. A boom <clears throat> trucks uh, is a truck with a with a crane or a lift on it to lift the rail. To lift the rail, so, so. that you and your crew wouldn't have to endure right. lifting these heavy rails. That's right. I wonder how much they weighed. Well, a rail you'll figure out. Um, let's say I was talking about thirty-nine foot bolted rail. When and that's because before the CWR came in the ribbon rail. A thirty-nine foot rail, um, actually, the, that's what they call a hundred pound rail. Okay, and a hundred pound rail is the way it's it's, it's, it's figured out. It's a um, hundred pounds every three feet. Oh my goodness! Okay, so three divided in thirty nine is what? Three divided into thirty nine? Yeah, it's over two thousand pounds. Okay. Okay, it's over yeah. two thousand pounds, and I've seen changing that. With how many yes, men? Four men. <clears throat> Oh my but on average, there was a section was supposed to be six men, or at the time it was only three men sections for twenty miles of track. So you had to a lot of times uh, call another section. But I've seen even changing it with three men. Because if you didn't change the rail, well, you had you had to change the rail because the track wasn't passable for trains. Yeah, most of the time. It was so that's why enough. inspections were important. Inspections, or, uh, it was, it's daily. Uh, every time we were trained, every time you'd get it, well, even you're walking too, but I mean, uh, on a motor car to get from one place area to the other, uh, we always had our eyes on the track. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, you get to, you get used to seeing things that, the average person wouldn't. And what do you mean by that? Well, is as far as visual and broken rails, I, I guess I got to be pretty good at it and, that, that, you know, respect, you know, I had a lot of respect for that. Because I've seen going down the track with a motor car at 30 miles an hour and observe uh, the head of the rail, that's what you were looking at the most, there was there was something I I could see there was something wrong because it's as if the shape of the rail had kind of moved a little bit, and I knew doggone well oh you better go check what's wrong with him. what's wrong here because we'd back up with the motor car, and I'd get off, and I'd look ahead and I say mm, that doesn't look good, so I'd walk ahead and look underneath the rail and there was a crack underneath the ball of the rail for sometimes twenty feet. Oh. And that could cause a well, that, yeah, <clears throat> train derailment. That causes train derailments. Okay. Uh, or you're going down the, the with the motor car and you're looking ahead, and again it looks oh there's something wrong here, so you get off and you put your track gauge or 
you can use a, a measuring tape, a tape measure. And the when the, the gauge of the track, that's when um, where, where the track is spiked down. Okay, one, one of the rails moves away under the pressure of trains. Mm -hmm. So the, the standard track gauge, that distance inside from head to head, it's supposed to be perfect gauge is four feet, eight and a half inches. And whatever, after, you know, time, whenever, um, the, the, the trains as they go by, they, they push against the rail kind of thing. And if the rail ties are cracked and not in good shape, well, it spreads the gauge. And that what could happen is that could be spread underneath the, the load of a train and derailments are caused and a lot of times it's by track gauge, defective track gauge. And when there was a derailment, and this is working 365 days a year uh, with a lot of times weekends off, I guess, but there was a lot of overtime. I remember those calls in the middle of the night uh, when my husband would uh, receive a call. Three or four times a night. <laughs> Three or four times a night <laughs> until we <laughs> hung up our phone. And so back then, that's what you did. <laughs> you took the phone off the hook uh, because it would be a blizzard, winter storm, and something needed to be fixed. A switch needed to be cleaned uh, and so on and so forth. But when there was a derailment, first of all, what does a rail consist of? What kind of ore is it that they use to make a rail? Is it... Iron ore or uh, steel? steel. It's steel. It's so. steel alloys a lot of time. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. And, you, and it used to be made, what we used to get around here. Uh, in, in northern our, Ontario. In northern Ontario or, or southern Ontario. Uh, most of the time was it was rail from Algoma steel. Okay. Yeah. And when there was a derailment, which there were, unfortunately, can you talk a little bit about what you, what you and your crew would do, and uh, at first even how CP Rail would treat their crew, if a, a derailment happened way in the middle of the bush somewhere. Well, <laughs> the way CP Rail used to treat their crew doesn't matter if it was at a derailment middle of the bush or it didn't matter. It was from the time I started, it was as if it was it worked for the military. Mm. You got going and you marched you could say <laughs> or you worked we went to derailments i've seen sometimes 12 hours without sitting down no breaks no breaks and what about food and food if it was a, a derailment um like especially when it first happened um before the auxiliary cranes used to come out of Toronto and Sudbury or Montreal, uh, which is uh, it's an auxiliary crew to call it. It's a it's a very uh, heavy um, crane, and it pulls it's pulled by by uh, of course by locomotives, and um, they come out uh, with all their boarding cars and and dining car and all that, and that's where we. We'd get to eat after that dining car would get there and the cooks would start cooking. But I remember but I've seen, yeah, <laughs> typing I've seen. a letter. You and I, well, I typed the letter and we composed it. 
sending a letter <clears throat> to the headquarters of CP Rail. I think they mm. were in Montreal that time, at that time, or was it in Calgary, Alberta? Oh, probably Montreal. Montreal, Quebec, and our just and the letter consisted of I don't think we still have it, but it was to complain about the inhumane treatment of their crew that were out on derailments, <clears throat> where there was no place for them to go to eat, uh, there was no rest times allowed, you had to just work like dogs, and it was so inhumane, mm -hmm. uh, centuries old attitude, and this was in the nineties. Yeah, 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 the 90s. Yeah, after yeah. our twins were born, <clears throat> our twin daughters, and and the calls during the middle of the night, and it didn't matter. They just yeah. they just didn't compensate at that time for to treat you uh, respectfully and to feed you, and that really bothered me. I remember bringing that up, and I thought, well, let's do something about it, and things did change after that. Yeah, well, like it took a lot of a lot of work too to get that done. Um, the union wasn't very strong. So you um, were in a union working oh, on the railway. Oh, de definitely. Like I was president of the uh, of the Sudbury Lodge almost my whole career, and uh, also, and it was uh, also um, uh, it took it took many years because it wasn't just to change the mentality of the uh, uh, Sudbury Division uh, management, but it's, you know, when you have to change, try to change uh, the way of thinking of the whole company, it takes a long time. To treat their men better. To treat their men better. And understand that, that that's not the way to operate a railway. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, getting back to how difficult it was. Can you say how it's improved possibly since after that? Oh, yeah. See, what, when I... Experience? <laughs> yeah, when I... Uh, By the left, time you retired? What, was it, two, what, 2003? Mm. Um, things had changed in the last... previous. Let's say the, the previous uh, uh, 10 years or so. Uh, especially after this, I was saying the CWR, CWR rail, the ribbon rail came in, uh, was installed. Uh, like we were using um, uh, high rail uh, trucks, high rail boom trucks and cranes. And the trucks had hydraulic systems uh, where we could uh, use hydraulic tools. So it was a lot easier uh, physically than it was at the beginning, yes. But it took its toll on you. Uh, there was another accident that you were in on the railway, something about a ribbon rail, now that you brought that up. <laughs> well, that's kind of a touchy subject for me. It's always been. And, and um, it's hard to explain because, um, you know, to visualize... Um, how this rail got there, well, we had to bring it there by, by train because they were um, the 132 pounds kind of rail. And so 132 pounds every three feet. And the rail wasn't 39 feet long bolted rail anymore. This rail came in in a, a string a quarter mile long. My right? goodness. So at, at the time... Um, I was uh, doing a lot of, like, I was a section guy repairing track in our section. Uh, but also, um, 
at times when there was large projects coming where um, this the, the rail the, was going to be changed from 100 pound to 132 pound rail uh, for 20 miles, let's say, the whole section was going to be redone. Um, we had to unload the, the materials and, the, you know, the, the ties, everything else that, to attach that rail and, and the, uh, the rail itself. So that rail was brought in by, by a, a, a train, by a work train. So all the cars are, you know, lined up for a quarter of a mile, let's say. And this rail was loaded on, ro it's called roller cars. So there was um, one, two, three, four or six tiers, I think it was four, uh, of, of ribbon rails side by side on the rollers, uh, four tiers high. Anyways, what happens is that the train is brought to the location where that uh, rail is going to be unloaded for later on to be changed. They pull the, uh, the the rail from the top, the top rail from the fourth tier uh, with clamps and, and uh, cables with a hoist car. And that rail would be brought down on the rollers and through what's called a threader on both sides of the track. And that uh, rail would be pulled down right to the track. And then what we do we we dig between uh, the ties kind of thing, take the slag out, and... Um, slag meaning? The, the rock, the slag, the okay. dirt. Okay. Um, we'd bring it down and, and clamp that uh, rail to the track itself. Okay? And when everything was ready, the, the boss would, the roadmaster at the time, which usually was on the work train with us, He's the only one that had a radio. Well, there was two people with radios, but he'd be giving the orders. And he'd say, okay, work extra, whatever the number was, 56, 57, um, proceed uh, west, uh, five miles an hour, whatever. So the, the, the engine would start, he'd go toot, toot, and the way he'd start pulling easy, to a speed of about five miles an hour. And you could see the rails coming down from the top tier, coming down and just rolling down easy at five miles an hour. And then if you'd look back, you'd see that back behind the train that the rail would be settling down on the shoulders. So this is the, how they laid track. That's how we, we unloaded rail. Unloaded rail. And this unloaded was when, what year? Uh, this was in 1978, or maybe before that. that uh, okay. Yeah, 78, 79, maybe. And then... Maybe before. What happened with that incident? Well, what happened with that is, now to, to explain more what happened is, um, there was a guy uh, in the middle of that train, watching the end of the rail coming, okay? So when it went by him, he called the roadmaster that was giving the orders to the train and say, the end of the rail is by me, whatever. 
And then the roadmaster, the boss, doing, giving orders to the train, would call the engineer and get him to slow down because the other, that end of the rail was, uh, was coming too fast kind of thing. So, well, what happened that time, I was working um, close to where the threader car was. And there was me and there's about four or five guys and you could see the rails going by us on both sides. So we didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance to see that rail coming down because it, 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 it went by the middle car and the guy, I don't know, that was there. I don't know if he was daydreaming what he was doing. So that rail came coming down from that top tier too, too fast. And there was a guy right beside me and he got it away. He yelled, watch out. Okay, so I was very close to where that rail was coming down like a whip. So so this would be a, a steel rail yeah. coming down yeah. too fast, and it would be in like a it was whiplash. Whiplash, yeah. It would have hit me. There were you... There was you and another Yeah, my guy. friend my friend Luigi. Luigi. So he just said, watch out. And I saw it. I turned around. I saw it coming. And it was either it hitting me or me jumping off over that. I don't know how. Nobody knows how I did it. I don't know myself. Miracle. Over that rail. Uh, my two heels hit the, 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 the planks on, on, the, uh, on that flat car. And I jumped off the train. Now, that train was going a lot more than five miles an hour. Okay. And uh, it was kind of... Um, well, I jumped off and hit the, hit the ground uh, half on my hip, on my left side and half on my back. And I bounced in the, in the, in the slag and the rock and I probably somersaulted. And Anyways, I hit the ground pretty hard. So the minute I start, stopped bouncing and hitting the ground, I was scared because I kind of saw my life go by. I was said, I'm dead. You, know, you felt that you had died. Well, no, I was going to die. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, when I hit the ground, my guy got up uh, just because, in shock kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The train went into emergency. And by that time, the, the, the roadmaster, he saw this happen, but everybody thought on the train, there's quite a few guys, that that real hit me. But it didn't. But uh, They thought it, the rail had hit oh, you, yeah. but you had rolled out of the way. <clears throat> yeah, I rolled, got hit. jumped out of the way. I, yeah, they thought I got hit, but I had, I jumped before I was going to get, I was going to get hit. And they thought it was that close that they thought that I had gotten hit. So it was a quick action. Quick action, yeah. <clears throat> what happened after that? Did you hurt your body in any way well, besides, like, I mean, I meant with broken bones or? No, there was no broken bones. But when I got up from there and I started walking, by that time, the, the, the road match, another guy had jumped off the train to come and see me, That you know. And... Yeah, it's as if I felt like my inside had dropped. So, because I felt like, you know, the pressure coming down. Yeah. So, I managed to get it back on the train and 
I said, the boss said, oh, you better go sit down, better go sit down. So we went sitting uh, on the seat beside the engineer. And uh, I said, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. Well, at the time, on the railway... Did they stop production or operation because well, no, an accident no, not, just Well, no, not really. Happened. No, not really, because they so thought... they didn't it, stop. They didn't see there was nothing broken, but I, even if I was in pain, they started unloading and was, again, because we still had to unload. Um, I remember um, why why this happened and they were going to, faster. and they, I mean, the guy missed it. That, that, there's a combination of things. He missed that middle rail going by, uh, and it came down fast. But what was happening, I believe, is the train was going a lot faster than it should have, because they had to. They had so much time to unload that rail, and then we had to go clear uh, the siding in Larchwood because there was a um, an eastbound coming, a freight train. Mm. So that's what happened. It was pressure, hurry up, hurry up, <laughs> kind of thing, because we had to, we had to go clear, and pressure uh, from the well from the dispatcher, not knowing that this is ha this had happened. But why was there so much pressure to get it done? Why couldn't it wait till the next day and and the train uh, go a little well, slower? It, it, it doesn't work like that with the railway. It it doesn't work like that. People, like I said, the trains have to go by. The trains have to go by. And, and that, okay. that, you know, that's why uh, there's always been a hurry up, hurry up, you know, everything on time. Yeah. Yeah. But so after that incident, did you stay home for a few days or? Well, when, you know, I'd been sitting there not for very long, a couple of minutes, and I was in shock. Mm -hmm. and they didn't put you in the ambulance or? No, no. Talk to you. <laughs> well, the boss says, "Hey, uh, you okay? You okay, kind of thing." <laughs> no, no. My he says, "Listen, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. No, no. Don't worry about it." Uh, That's what you I, said. Gonna, yeah. If you want to go home, uh, we were in Zilda, close to where I live, in my apartment in Zilda. So I got in the CPR truck and. He said, well, you sure don't want to go to the doctor? I said, no, no, I'm okay. Well, that's, at least he was yeah, yeah. No, cognizant no, was, of the fact that you... Yeah, I said, I don't think there's nothing... shock or yeah. had an accident? Yeah. There's nothing broke. <laughs> so that, that was that experience. Well, that, that until he called me at home that night, and uh, he said, oh, no, take a couple of days off. He said, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. So I was getting paid anyway, so I said, okay. I'm going to stay home for a couple of days. And that's what you did? I, I, I kind of did. By the <laughs> second day, he panicked because he kind of had to re he had to report the accident one way or the other to his boss mm -hmm. and to the superintendent's office. But saying, no, the guy's okay. No, no, he's home. He's okay. But he kind of said, uh, you better look into this, you know. So he called and... Uh, um, I said, no, well, I'm sore, but I'm okay. Oh, no, no. He says, no, no, you better go to the doctor. But that was almost 24 hours later. So he come pick me up. I had a hard time walking. And uh, I went to the doctor's office in Zilda. And uh, so he helped me walk in there. 
So you you were injured. I was. Yes, of course. I was sore, but I was sore injured. from rolling on by hitting on under hard, hitting on the ground. Yeah, on hard yeah. rock. Yeah, slag, yeah. which comes yeah. from the mines. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the uh, to the counter. I sit down, and who's there in the office in the waiting room? My mother. <laughs> <laughs> Your so sweet mom. she didn't know that that happened. I hadn't told her. And oh my gosh, she was just something else. She still talks about it. I mean, how many years ago was that? And your mother is. My nine, mom is uh, ninety-three years old. Ninety-three years old. This is uh, July eighth, two thousand and twenty-three, yeah. and uh, she still talks about that. Yeah, time. she said I've never seen anything like it. Like you couldn't even walk properly. And uh, even that, I was going to say the road master, the boss, Edgar, he, uh, he went to the counter and he asked so, see, uh, so I could see a doctor. And they were really busy. Oh, my gosh, they were busy. And she kind of says, well, you can't, you know, go to the emergency. And he was determined that I was going to see a doctor. And all of a sudden, I heard him sing pretty loud, it's right now. This is a compensation case. It's right now. <laughs> but it didn't take very long. A couple of minutes later, I was in to see the doctor. <laughs> and um, they were, They're a tough crew. Yeah. Railroaders oh, yeah. are a tough yeah. crew. Yeah. At the end of all of that, so we can wrap up this uh, second podcast about your railroad career, uh, did you get any additional medical treatment or... No. Any words of advice the, 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 from... Well, the doctor said I should be off for a long time. But, you know, the way the railway worked, you know, you didn't complain. And the, the boss said, well, you don't want... Um, I don't care how long you you come to work, you sit down, as long as you're okay. Um, it doesn't matter how many weeks it takes. You're getting paid anyways. Don't worry about it. Um I'd kind of done some paperwork, but I got bored, so <laughs> I wasn't that many that many weeks. That I probably was a week, and I said, "No, nah, no, let you know." So you I'm, went back working back on the to work, and I, I've yeah, I've went suffered. back working on the railroad. Well, I've that was suffered ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he he's getting close to seventy now, and uh, he has a lot of aches and pains. That's for sure. So this will wrap up our second podcast in regard to. Uh, Mike's uh, railroad career. We're going to do one more, I believe, and uh, discuss uh, in the third podcast with his railroad career some of the the good memories he has of of that life that he led to provide for his family. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Work safe. Work hard, but work safe if you can, wherever you are.